Hi, I'm Bill Mitchell, host of When Dating Hurts. Two years ago, I launched my Dating Violence podcast. Back then, I knew very little about recording, editing, or uploading to a hosting platform. Frankly, I didn't know what a hosting platform meant. When recording episodes, I needed it to be easy for me and my guests. You see, I was capturing highly emotional personal stories, and I couldn't have guests fiddling around, clicking buttons, starting and stopping over and over again. I launched with Zencaster, and I stayed with them. The reason is, it's just so darn easy. And today's Zencaster lets you record with high-quality audio and video. You can edit and distribute, too, all in one place. No more bouncing around from one platform to another to create your podcast. So if you're interested, go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code when dating hurts, all one word, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. Isn't it time to tell your story? The When Dating Hurts podcast is supported by BlendJet. Big, bulky blenders are a real pain to use. But the BlendJet 2 blender makes blending a snap. I'm using mine several times a day. Convenience is the reason why. The BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It can fit into your cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice, and frozen fruit with ease. And BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. BlendJet lasts for 15 or more blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap, and you're good to go. With over 30-plus colors and patterns to choose from, there's a BlendJet 2 to complement any style. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Seriously, what are you waiting for? No other blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Head to BlendJet.com and use the promo code WHENDATINGHURTS12 for your 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. That's BlendJet. I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts, a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. So I first met Jen Lee about two years ago when she invited me to an interview on her I Need Blue podcast. And that has started a friendship that I think will last a very long time. She's a podcaster. She just published her book, which she will talk about, I'm sure, and tell you how to find it. And so, Jen, I'm just so happy to finally have you on my show. And here you are. Hi. Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for having me today. So I know that you have, you've had a lot of things happen in your life. We're going to speak about one in particular, which has to do with dating. Yes, you were right. So you were married 
seems like it was an amicable break from that, right? Yeah. Marriage. Yep, absolutely. Yep. It was a good marriage. And, uh, you know, we ended up getting divorced, which was okay. We still remained friends. We had two boys to raise. So that was a, a positive thing. We proved that it is possible to be divorced and still be amicable in front of your children. And so that was positive. That's a book you should write too, by the way. You could. I mean, it's true. That's a choice you make on whether or not I think you're going to be amicable in front of your children and how you behave. I don't think there are going to be a lot of those books out there, amicable breakup. Mm -hmm. But so that ended and then take it from there. Like yes. what was the time period before you then bumped into a man named Rob? It was a few years after that. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I've told my story. Um, in fact, you know, yesterday, as you know, I became a published author, and it is the first time that I have completely written my story. And as any survivor knows, especially your audience, writing it down is one part of the whole healing process and journey. And then when you speak it out loud, it becomes a totally different journey. So I am here today with you, Bill, mm -hmm. sharing that journey with you. I've known you, as you said, for about a year and a half, two years, and yes. you are part of what inspired me to find the courage to write my story down. Because in the past, I had started to write it, and then five years ago, I ripped it all up. Oh, my. Because, yeah, I said to myself, this is preventing me from healing, so I'm going to rip it up, throw it away, and then just think that I can forget about it, right? You were, what, writing it on some software and you trashed it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, on Word. Oh my! I, I was but doing it on my computer. But you literally threw it away. You got rid of it. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah, I I ripped it up. That's... I deleted the file. Everything. Oh my God. Okay. Because but I. But it got in the way yeah. of healing. I understand that part, of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Sure. Yes. Ah. Uh. And then I started my podcast. I need blue, and I also am a survivor of armed robbery and abduction, and so I started my podcast, basically really focused on sharing that story. And then we share other stories from survivors of different life events, traumas, and triggers. And so so that our listening audience understands, I Need Blue, why did you call it that? So I Need Blue, basically, it's space for survivors to feel they belong, for the B, are loved, understood, and empowered. Very good. I Need Blue, yep. We really need that safe space to feel comfortable and not be judged and to be able to be vulnerable and feel loved and accepted. And I'm a hugger. So God forbid you meet me in person. I'm going to give you a hug. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> but that, I, I just really felt it was important to share a little bit of background. Yes. About being a survivor and the courage because my stomach is in knots. So it, it's taken me courage to come forward. And for any guest who is listening and wants to share their story, I will, I will tell you that Bill is a friend. I am here because I know he makes me feel comfortable and safe. I'm glad about that. Yes. And if you have a story to share, I I would recommend Bill as well to, to reach you. out to him. Thank but, you very much. That's very nice of you. So yes. you wrote it and you mm -hmm. trashed it, literally got rid of it. So yes. how many years ago was that that you stopped? And then when did you restart? Because writing a book is a monumental task. 
always liked to write and I found writing to be therapy. Yes, it is. So this incident, the dating abuse actually started in 2003 and ended in 2006. So it was after that, that I started to write things down and I would write it month by month. And so my book, for the most part, is written month by month by month because that's how much I still remember. Even though I ripped it up, I guess I thought I would. It's in there. So you kept pecking away at this book and it's out now. What's the name of your book? Why I Survived. Okay. Provocative. I love that. Yeah. You dated this person three years, are you saying? I did. Okay. I met him August of 2003. I was selling cars at the time and selling cars. That is not an easy task Mm. at all. Mm. But I made some great friends, and so I have lifelong friends from from that job, and so I'm happy about that. Good. But one evening, it was typical for us to go out to a restaurant or a bar and sit down and have a drink. And so this particular night in August 2003, I was out with one of my friends. We were at a local Mexican restaurant, the smell of chips and salsa. You got to love that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And anyway, we're chatting And in walks this guy and he caught my attention. And I'm talking to my friend and I looked at my friend and I said, you know, in my ultra confident way, I said, I'm going to go say hi to him. And he said, okay. So I went over and I had general conversation with this person. He was Mm. in town on business, Mm. worked in New York and would be leaving the next day. So you were in Virginia at that time? Yes, this was in Virginia. That is correct. Okay. And then walks this New Yorker. Yes. He had the New York accent. He was in a business suit, very well put together. And we chatted for a few minutes, went back, sat down with my friend and for a little while longer. And then we said our goodbyes. And honestly, I never thought I would see that person again, Rob. I never thought I would see him again. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go to work the next day and I leave for lunch and I come back. I get a message that says, hey, there was a guy here to see you. And he left his phone number. And I was like, oh. And so the message was from Rob, just like, hey, I wanted to see you one more time before I head out of town. And he left me his phone number. So I was like, oh, that's really sweet. I guess I left an impression on him that I didn't realize I did. So I called him back and I left a message and said, thank you. It was great seeing you. And that was that. So that was August. Come October, he calls me and he says, listen, I got to come back to town. My birthday is the end of December. I want to celebrate it with you. I was like, oh, okay, why not? So from that phone call till the end of December, we started to talk every day, several times a day, you know, kind of that phone relationship mm-hmm. started to begin. Right. And then he came in. Um, We celebrated his birthday, and he stayed in town for the weekend. We had a good time, and everything seemed to be going really good. In February, he calls. He was like, I got to go to Chicago for a weekend. I want you to come with me. Like, this is kind of exciting, right? Now I'm going to go on a trip with this person, and I'm really getting to know him. He's exciting. He lives in New Jersey, works in New York, never been married, no kids seems to really have his stuff together. I remember he would call and be like, oh, 
I'm having a bad day and I just really wanted to hear your voice because it makes me feel better and mm. you are my sunshine on a cloudy day and you know all of those wonderful things. Yes. And so we go to uh Chicago. All those nice love bombing, love bombing kind of things. Yes. And so we go to Chicago. Did he send you any goodies or anything or just phone calls? So actually he sent me in January. I was at work and my manager is like, oh, you got a package. And I was like, oh, it was a TV. It was like a 13-inch TV <laughs> that he sent me because he liked to watch TV in bed at night. Ah. And so I didn't have a TV in my room. And so I was like, oh, now I can watch TV in my room. But it really was because he wanted to watch that. But yeah, in Chicago. He, he wanted to be in that room, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But go back in, to the birthday blowout, right? You're going to go back to the birthday. So the birthday, we went to a restaurant and just ate and enjoyed each other's company. He wanted me to pick the restaurant. And I remember thinking, wow, I just want to pick the local little steakhouse, but you're from New York. You're probably used to like something more sophisticated. So I think I already kind of fell out of his league just for those reasons alone. Sure, of course. But he didn't make me feel like I didn't fit in. If anything, he made me feel like, wow, this is exactly what I've been looking for. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yes, of course. So it was his differences and just coming from a different world that excited me. That was different. I wanted to experience more. He said the right things. Yeah, want more of that. And then come March, it kind of started to change. What I mean by that is I would go out with my normal friends and he would be like, well, you know, why are you going out with them? Like, um, Now he's it, telling it, this to you over the phone? You're just saying, yeah. I'm going out with my friends, and he's inserting himself into your life a little bit there, directing you. Yes. I always told him wherever I was or what I was doing because I live by the philosophy of I don't have anything to hide. So I mm. just, I'm like an open book, right? Yes, right. Exactly. And, right. And so I would always tell him, hey, I'm going out with so-and-so and whatever, and it was never a problem. But then all of a sudden, it started to become a problem. I don't know why you're going out with them. Um, if you're not happy with me, then maybe this isn't working out, yada, yada. I mean, it is a long-distance relationship, but he didn't like me going out with my friend. Even though he's in New York, you're in Virginia. Right. He'd rather you're home with the 13-inch TV doing nothing, basically. R yes. Okay. He did. Nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it's... It's crazy how they loop you in. I, you know, it's, it almost makes sense at the time, though, right? I mean, you can uh, almost oh, see his point, right? You can almost I, see his point. Yeah, I took it uh, as, wow, I'm so special. He doesn't want to share me. Like, <laughs> there you go. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, yeah. The, this is such a compliment. Exactly. There yeah, should get rid of all my friends. So it's just us. Yeah. Yeah, you're my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want you being contaminated by other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that all started in March. And during this time as well, I had been going to therapy. I'm a huge believer in therapy. I just, I think it's positive to just go and talk to somebody and 
and whatever you get out of it. But so I was going to therapy as well. And I was telling her a little bit about Rob and our relationship. And she would ask me questions like, where does he live? And what's his address? And I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, I don't know where, I don't know where he lives. I've never thought to ask those things, you know? And so she kind of planted this little seed of, you know, maybe you need to like get some information on this person. And I was like, okay. Mm. So I would ask and he would always have a response for me. I never had an address from him about where he was living in um, New Jersey. He told me he had a roommate. So I kept pushing. And finally come May, he was like, why don't you come visit? My roommate will be gone and we'll go into New York and we'll have a fun time. So I said, okay, that sounds great. You know, I can satisfy my therapist, right? And I can satisfy that little question mark in my head of, you know, maybe I'm missing a few pieces of the puzzle. We ended up going to the Bronx Zoo, took lots of pictures, which was a lot of fun. Sure. Had a great time and did a little shopping. And the outfits he picked out for me were um, a little more revealing than what I would normally wear. Okay. So on our way out of New York, we're taking the train back to New Jersey. And we had talked about going out that evening But on the train ride back to New Jersey, I started to not feel okay. I said, I I don't feel right. Something's not right. And we got back to his house. Okay. What do you mean by that? I mean. Like anxiety. Like. Okay. Not nausea, for instance, necessarily. You weren't coming down with something. Correct. It was the accumulation of uh, pieces that don't fit or this is too good to be true or something like that. Yeah, it was. It was all of a sudden Mm -hmm. becoming big enough that that your own your own head was telling you warning here this is freaky or something it was yeah it was anxiety of something yeah something is just not quite it sneaks in on you right yes yeah but at the time you don't know that no well you you don't see it coming oh i see what you mean you didn't recognize it for what it was i see yes yes i've got you now so we get back to his home so you're out of New York. You're back at his place in New Jersey. What kind of a house is this? What's what's the picture here? So the picture is this is a, a nice lawn. This is like yeah. a nice lawn driveway. The you know yep established uh, established you know, neighborhood neighborhood yeah established yeah. neighborhood and two story home very modern. Okay. So this when you looks very in. normal. It looked very normal. He had me park across yeah. the street in front of the neighbor's house. And so, well, wait a second. Isn't that strange? Yeah, we, I'll get to that. Uh, well, it, oh, okay. It wasn't, yeah. So it wasn't strange to me at the time, right? Because I'm just doing what you're asking me to do, right? I'm, I think he said he, So he actually says, why don't you park over there? Yeah, park over there. And I don't remember. Okay. He might have said, I got to go out later and get something. So I need to be able to get out of the driveway. I don't remember. Okay, don't park in the driveway. But whatever you. he said, it didn't seem abnormal. It's like, okay, I'll park over there. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. When you visit people, sometimes you're like, hey, don't park. Park in the car. Big deal. Yeah, just park. Okay. So I go, and I remember I walked into his home. And yes, it's very modern, very clean, organized. And there was this beautiful Kate Spade purse sitting on the table, right? I was like, oh, wow. He was like, that's for you, beautiful. 
I was like, thank you. Again, he's wowing me with these, uh, these things that I was like, wow, this is just beautiful, right? He's figuring out how to like manipulate me. And so, and the one thing I did notice is there was this big fish tank and it was beautiful with all of these colorful fish and this has significance. So you need to remember this fish tank. Ugh. And so and then he had the Kate Spade purse sitting on the table for me and Ugh. gives me a big hug and a kiss, shows me around, shows me upstairs. He showed me a couple rooms. And everything's kind of perfect. Everything looks good. Say. Yeah. Everything looks okay. good. It was normal. Neat and tidy. Neat and okay. tidy. Yep. He made dinner or? Uh, I think he, I think we ordered in. I think he ordered in dinner and we're eating. Okay. And at the time, I don't know what happened, but I'm sitting in my chair and slowly, literally, like in a movie, I'm sliding out of my chair onto the floor. And I'm like, I don't feel good. Now, Bill, looking back, because this is not the first time I've had that, like, not that I went unconscious, but I think that he drugged me. Yeah, I kind of think so, too. Because next thing I know is I wake up in the bed. Yes. And, yeah, and he's not there. Mm. And so I call him, and he was like, oh, I had to go pick up the dog. I'll be home in 45 minutes. Well, I was like, I didn't even know you had a dog. Right. So at that point, Bill, everything in me is going off. It's like, okay, there's something not right here. You got to search. So literally, I go downstairs. I open the refrigerator doors. I'm looking everywhere. There's a file cabinet, two drawers stacked file cabinet. I open it up, and I'm going through the files. And all of a sudden, I see a marriage certificate. Oh, and his name is on it? Yes, him and another woman. And it showed that they had been married, I'm going to say approximately eight years ago. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, did I just sleep in her bed? Like, there are no pictures of a woman. There was nothing, no women's clothes in the closet, nothing to, to say to me, hey, there's a woman here. Right. Anyway, I grabbed my stuff real fast. I did take the Kate Spade purse. I left the marriage license and I hightailed it out of there. And when I was far enough away, I called him and he said, I'll be home in five minutes. I said, don't worry about it. I'm gone. I said, I found your marriage license and you're married. And he was like, no, I got to explain. I got to explain. And I I hung up at that point. Mm. Wow. 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 What a story. Yeah. And well, that's just like, not really. That's only like part of it. Oh, I, I figured that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was like wow. the you first. You got a real character here. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first crazy thing. That's a. Chapter one and maybe two. Go ahead. Yeah, chapter one. So I found out, yes, he is married. So I didn't talk to him for a little while. Then my heart was like, wow, you really missed But your phone's ringing in the meantime, I imagine. Yeah. But you're not you're not picking up. Correct. Is he leaving messages? Yeah. You got to call me? You got to call me. Yeah, like, okay. I'm I'm sorry. I need to explain. I love you. I want to be with you. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, I can explain everything. Yeah, so probably... About a month later, I decide I'm going to give him an opportunity to talk. Okay. Because, number one, I'm like, he's already kind of conditioned me to have doubt in my own decision making. 
that's part mm-hmm. of the abuse, right? Like you get yeah, gaslighting. Yes, yes, you get to a point where you don't make decisions. You basically ask for permission and you ask for advice because you don't trust your own decisions. Yeah, yeah, he's got you rattled. Yes. Yeah. So at that point, I was not really trusting that I saw that divorce papers. Yeah, I saw it, but you know, you should really listen well, to him. You didn't see divorce papers. You saw marriage, marriage. license. Yep, I saw the marriage license. You're correct about that. Okay. So, so now you give him a chance to yes to, to explain his story. Mm-hmm. So July, so I visited him in May. In July, he goes as far as to say, "Listen, I can't live without you. Uh, I'm going to move there." Uh, oh, yeah. He was like, "I, my wife, um, she's in a mental hospital. She's not okay." He was like, "Yes, we're married because I can't divorce her because she's not in a mental state to sign divorce papers." So he said, we don't live together. He was like, when you called me, I had to go visit her at the hospital. He was like, I'm her, her main caregiver or whatever. Was she supposedly the roommate, by the way? I don't know. The mysterious roommate from back yeah, in the beginning? I, I don't know. I, I okay, remember him that's... saying the roommate had a child and he would have fun, you know, play with the child and everything. Yeah. But I never met that roommate. The invisible friend. Okay. Absolutely. So he's got a pretty good story going there he's, about the wife. and Yeah. And so I was like. I mean, it could happen. It could happen. It could. And I was like, well, I guess if she's not capable of signing divorce papers, mentally capable, then I guess he has sure. to stay married to her, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. Sounds like he's trying to, in some ways, take the high road. So go ahead. Yeah. And then I believe I was like, wow, he's going to actually like leave his job and leave his home and his home state and going to come move here and be with me. Like, wow, that's great. Like that is a whole new level of commitment, right? Yes, so, of course. So that was great. So then he comes for November, which happens to be my birthday month. And so now it's been a year of us communicating and I had an apartment and a roommate at that point. He came over and he just hung out with us and we had a good time. So at this point, he knew my roommate. He had met some of my friends. He was intertwining himself into my life where yet I hadn't met anybody. I met no coworkers, no friends, nobody, right? But Nobody from his side right. of the world. Exactly. Right. He's still kind of a mystery man. Mm-hmm. So Wow. He uh, spent Christmas Eve with me. He couldn't be with me on Christmas Day. He had to go to his family that lived a couple hours away. So I was like, okay, you'll split your time. That's fine. I'll accept that. And then a few months go by, and we go to a wedding in Michigan. Uh It was one of my cousins. He was going to meet more of my family. And that turned out to be a disaster. Yeah, it was a disaster on several levels. Number one, he had left a few items of clothing in my closet when he would come visit. And so he had asked me to bring a white shirt. Well, I accidentally brought an off-white colored shirt, like cream color. And he got so mad at me and he called me his wife's name. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, it's an interesting association, right? Yes. To associate yelling at you with his wife's name, which is probably what he did with his wife. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so sure. I was like, oh, I was like, wow, you just called me her name. But I felt so bad. He made me feel so bad that I brought the wrong color shirt. I started crying. Mind you, my sisters are 
calling the room. They're like, hey, we want to see you. We want to give you a hug. I'm avoiding them. Finally, they knock on the door. And I remember I opened the door just like a couple of inches. And I know they could see that my eyes were red and I had been crying. I said, I'll see you later. And I shut the door. And then he got upset. Well, I guess your family probably doesn't like me now. So now I got him upset at me again. It was crazy. It was an emotional train wreck. That whole And you're captured in this room with him for a while. Yes, I'm in this room. How do I face my family now? So we end up going to the wedding. A family member had made a comment that he didn't like. And so he got up from the table. He practically runs out of the room, gets into his car, is in the parking lot doing donuts, throwing up gravel, dust, everything at the wedding reception. I go over to my mom and I was like, I don't know what to do. She was like, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I guess I just have to leave with him because he's not leaving without me. You know? And so it was embarrassing and humiliating. And where is this behavior coming from? So I get in the car with him and we go back to the hotel. And I remember we flew back to uh, Virginia together and didn't say a word on the airplane. And he was supposed to stay with me some more, but he didn't. He left. And I just remember feeling like I, I was such a bad person. And I deserve to be punished. Oh, gee, that's a shame. I'm sorry about that. That is, I I did. I, you know, one of the ways I describe it is you feel like this little rag doll that's just been thrown in the corner, discarded and dirty. When you get love is when they decide they're going to pick you up and love you. Yeah. Listening to what you're saying, it is. It's just rewards at times and punishments. So you blow it on the shirt. You know, you you didn't get the color right on the shirt. So, okay, you're going to have to go into the punishment for a while. And then someone at the table has a misstep, whatever they said. You know, he could have thought, well, I don't know about that or laughed it off or I don't know what it was, you know, but, you know, then he has to put on a big show and he sees it's working. He could see it all over you. Yep. When I punish her, she comes around. So, okay. I'm just going to say nothing on the plane. I'm going to fly out of here. You can chase me for a while. Yeah. He's got you on the end of the string. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know which way to go. You had so much invested in him, and then he's going to pull it away, rip it out of your hands and your heart. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So that was May. Mm-hmm. In June, my uh, had a, a grease fire in my apartment because I thought I would fry fish. That did not go well. Anyway, there is significance in this part of the story because at that point, I 
stayed in my apartment for a little while longer and he paid part of my rent because my uh, roommate did not want to live with me anymore, right? <laughs> because and, of this drama that was in, yes. in the air. Yes. And so yeah, well I don't blame her. Right. And so he paid part of her rent. And so that has significance as well later on in the story. Mm-hmm. He can hold that over your head, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. August, I get a phone call from him. I got a job. I'm moving there. I was like, yes, so exciting. Everything that he had ever done to hurt or make me cry in the past, all of it was gone, forgotten, because he did what he said he was going to do. We're going to start a new chapter. We're always happy when we're together. No more long distance. Couldn't wait, right? You know, storybook romance. Yep. I'll come there. We'll go find a place to live together. It was great. Now you're at the two year mark if you just hit August. Yep. Right? Yeah. Okay. So this is no matter how many twists and turns, you're now arriving at the promised land with Rob. Yes. Two years. Yeah. Couldn't be better. Absolutely. Right? He comes. There we go. He's got his car full of stuff. And he said that uh, everything else was going to be put in a storage unit because I didn't have room in my apartment. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And we're living together happy as can be, you know, functioning like normal people who go to work, come home, have dinner together. And a month later, he comes home very mad. He says, I can't believe this. They're sending me to Texas and I don't know how long I'm going to have to be there. And my heart sunk. I was like, yes, of course. Oh my gosh, no. Like, I don't want to go through this again. I just, I don't want to. And now there's a two hour time difference. That's strategic versus if, you know, if he was in the same time zone. And he was Uh. so mad. He was so mad that, I mean, I couldn't get mad. I had to be supportive of him, right? Because I had to try to calm him down. Right. Yeah, Yeah. And so I was like, okay. I was like, it's okay. We'll get through this. It'll be okay. And so, By the way, what did he do for a living, um, as far as you know? The job that he had gotten in Virginia was with a bank Okay. Th- at this time. That's where he was. But I mean, like high-level job? More like management type, uh, okay. type position. Okay. So he's got some esteem in that job. Yes. Yes. But now he's going to be going to Texas, and he wants to take you, or you stay back? Nope. I'm, I'm not going to Texas. That conversation never was had because... It was going to be, he was just going there for work and he would come back and visit when he could. Basically, we were resuming back to the same type of relationship that we had before. Yes, it's it's the new New York is Texas. Yeah. Is he supposed to like come back on weekends or anything like that? Or is it just back to the phone? It would be back to the normal. I'll see you a couple of days a month. I mean, literally, I would see him maybe four days a month, five days a month was pretty much the schedule. Okay. Was how that. But he does actually go to Texas, as far as you know. So my therapist is like, "What's his address?" She's drilling me again, right? <laughs> yeah, she's big into the address. Thing. Yeah, and I, I was like, um, I don't know his address. I was like, he's staying at a hotel. She was like, "Well, don't you want his address? Don't you want to send him a card or something?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, I'll ask him." These things are not in my wheelhouse, right? And so you're not trying to be a detective here. You're trying to have a relationship. Yep. I'm trying to have a relationship and I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to not listen to my instincts that say something's not right. Well, you're not looking for things that are wrong. You're trying to make, 
justify. Think, make things that are right and make more of them. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, God. So then I start asking him, yeah, my therapist wants to know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> My therapist and I. So he... He actually ends up agreeing to go to couple therapy with me. So oh, we go. Oh, well, that's surprising. Yeah. So again, that was his way of, I'm going to satisfy Jen's questions. I'll, I'll give her a little something, right? Because I'm right, not going right. to give her what she actually wants, which is an address, because he couldn't give me an address. So we uh, go to therapy. And the ther- this and is going to be a scene, I think, it, coming up here. It was. Um, we only he, went he once. plus the therapist sounds like uh, a dynamite plus a match. Well, she would only see us once. And I'm going to tell you what. He had an answer for everything she said. And he was almost cocky. Oh, this guy's accomplished. He was almost cocky about it. And I oh. remember we got done and she, he had left the room and she looked at me and she said, I can't see both of you anymore. She was like, it's a conflict of interest. I think uh, she knew what was going on, but she couldn't say it to me or, or whatever. I don't know, but she would not see us as a couple ever again. I went and saw her again individually. Okay. Mm-hmm. What'd she say? That was our conversation was like, basically it's a conflict of interest. I can't see you both. She never explained to me anything further. If there was, if he said something to her off to the side, nothing was ever said to me about that. I continued my therapy sessions with her like I always But I mean, she didn't say something to you like this guy worries the hell out of me or anything like that? Um, not that I recall. Her, okay. I'm surprised about that. Okay. Because mind you, this is like 2005. So this is a long time ago trying to recall okay. in my memory. It seemed like an obvious thing, but maybe she felt like, well, he was kind of a client and I can't talk about clients to other people. And so I'm not going to tell you how I really feel about him. Yeah. Well, I found that I in therapy, generally when you have somebody as an individual, you don't then all of a sudden transition into like marriage counseling because it's a conflict of interest because this person has already been your client. Okay. If I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but I have encountered That's that fine. before. So I was actually okay. surprised that she agreed to see both of us. But I think part of it, she was, I think she was curious because I mean, I'm telling her everything I got going on and she's, you know, the outsider looking in probably like wanna, a lot I of people. I want to meet this guy. Exactly. There was a cockiness to him that was interesting to see, like, come at me and, and let me show you what I got type thing. Because mind you, I would go to therapy and I would come home and I would tell him what we talked about because I didn't think anything of it. He would ask. So I was like, oh, he's interested. He cares. And so I would share with him. So he's already going into therapy, basically knowing my conversations. Right. Because you download every time you have a session. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So you get through the one and only. And then what do we have? Yes. So now in the timeline, we get to the holidays. And he spent Christmas with me that year. So we were able to spend some time for the holidays. We didn't spend time for his birthday or New Year's, which were the end of December or in January. In Towards the end of January, though, he did come back for a short visit. And I was having issues with my computer. So I remember he helped me set up my, my Gmail. Actually, Hotmail. Back then it was Hotmail, not Gmail. So he helped me set up and establish a Hotmail account with my name and my password and whatnot. 
Did he know your password? Uh-huh. Yep. He okay. sure did. All right. A week after he's gone, this is a new development. I'm on my computer. All of a sudden pops up this screen with a half-naked girl, and there's a text box, and it says, hi. And I remember I, like, jumped back from that screen, jumped out of my chair, and I was like, what is this? And so I type in, hi. Oh, good idea. And then this person types back, hi. And I immediately closed the tab, and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, he was the only other person on my computer. Yes. And I called him, and I was like, what is this? Why is this on my computer? Sure. And, of course, he denied it. I don't know why that's there, yada, yada, yada. And then upon further investigation, I noticed in my toolbar on the computer, I've got adult friend finders. I've got all of these other things up there. You can look in the history. I mean, again, all of a sudden now I'm becoming Miss Investigator like I was when I went to his house, right? Like something's not right here. Yes. So I'm finding all of these things. And again, I'm doubting that he's the one who put them there because, oh, I didn't see him put it there. And he told me he didn't do it. And his big thing with me is if you don't trust me, I'm going to leave. Mm -hmm. And he took me, who was a very independent individual, and created this codependency. Sure did. To the point, yeah, to the point that he looked at me one day and he said, listen, you know, you're really codependent. I'm going to buy you a book. So he bought me a book on how not to be codependent. Even though he had trained you to be that way. Yes. Yeah, it's ironic. Okay. Yes, it was crazy. So... Now this whole porn thing, if you will, shows up on my computer. And I was like, this this is not good, right? So it's still long distance. I see him a couple days a month. Now let's move into March. I have a new job with a radio station. And I sell advertising. Okay. Part of the advertising packages is we do remotes, which is where like the morning show hosts will go to a location and they broadcast live from there. Yes. So I sold one of those packages to a local, we'll call it a medical office. And I remember telling him all about it, you know, and he was very curious about this. He never asked a lot of questions about advertising clients, but for some reason, this particular client, he was really curious about when it was going to be and, and what time and things like that. So anyway, I go and have a good time at the remote. We give out swag items, all of those other things. It was a lot of fun. Right. And there is significance to this as well. But you're handing out all these little keychains and tchotchkes and T-shirts and bumper stickers or whatever you've got, right? Exactly. All the goodies. Yep, yep. It was a lot of fun. And so that was in May. So August, now we're on, what, three years, right? We're at the three-year, yes, we are. Mm -hmm. He calls me and he's like, guess what? I'm moving back. I was like, Great. He was like, go. He was like, you have a real little friend. Go start looking at homes. He was like, because I want, I want to find us something. We need a place to live. Well, I was like, okay, great. That's exciting. Sure. So I call a realtor friend of mine. We spend two weekends and we're going through looking at homes and I'm reporting back to him and 
he's like, ah, I don't really like those. And my realtor is like, listen, we really need a pre-qualification letter from him. And he's like, oh, you don't need that. I, I have the money. Don't worry about it. Because the realtor is my friend. She was like, okay, well, we won't worry about that right now then. So at the end of the day, he- He didn't want to fill that out. That's what happened with that, of course. Okay, go ahead. Exactly. Sure he did. So- any house that I showed him and relayed the information mm, back quite, to him, he quite. didn't like. Nah. Right. There was too something this, too much this, right. too little that. Yes. Exactly. Too too many bricks. Wrong area, something. Yeah. Something was yeah. always something keep, was always keep, wrong. Keep with looking. It. Yes. Wasting my friend's time. Also, in August, I'm done looking at homes. One of my friends is like, listen, I have this spiritual healer I've gone to. Oh like, my. Do you want to go? And I was like, oh. I was like, I've never done that before. Oh, you know, have my cards read. So interesting. Yeah, or anything. <laughs> that is so mm-hmm. interesting. I love that type of thing. And so I was like, well, I was like, all right, I'll go. Yeah. You know, and at the time she would um, tape record your record, tape record your recordings. So you can leave with it. Yeah. So I was like, well, that is a little bit more validity. And you I don't mean, have if to. They sure. They're... And you don't have to take notes and everything. So I go and I remember I walked in that room and the first thing she did is she sprayed it. I don't know what she had, but I'll tell you, I visited her again at a later date and she didn't spray the room. Oh. So she sprayed the room and my guess is probably all these evil spirits in me just with everything in my energy with this guy. Oh, gee. So anyway, I sit down and I remember (sighs) her saying, you know, I'm going to split the deck into three piles. You pick your pile. And I remember thinking, how am I going to She's got a deck of cards and she's splitting it into three piles and you pick the one that's yours. Yes. And I remember I put my hand over each pile and I got over one of the piles and the bottom of my hand got so cold. I was like, okay, that's my pile. Oh, wow. And so that was the pile. Oh, man. And so, Bill, you will not believe this. She flips over some cards and she looks at me and she says, the past three years of your life have not been real. They've been a lie, a fantasy. Nothing has been true. That's what she says to me. Oh, boy. And I'm just like startled. I was like, what? Yeah. You must have felt electricity running through you. Yeah. And I asked several other things that she was spot on about. Oh. So what's the first thing I do, Bill? I go to my car and I call Rob. And I tell him. I was like, you will not believe what she just said. And right away, he was like, I want her name and her number, and I want to call her, and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay. We're suing her, and we're calling the police. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, you know, here it is. But that reading left that little something in my head that I was like, how could everything else be accurate and one thing not be? Uh. And so he was obviously not happy. So September comes around, and at this point, he came back into town, and, oh, it was his last visit back into town before he would be moving here permanently. Yes. So he could be close to work. His staying in this extended stay hotel, which also happens to be about three miles from my job Mm. and not too far from his job. But he's not staying with you, on the other hand. No, he's not staying with me. And because he wanted to be close to his job, 
for whatever reason. I was where he where he was before he went to Texas. Right. Okay. All right. So there he is. Yep. And so I was like, okay, I'll come stay with you. He was like, yeah, that's fine. I was like, okay, then I have less of a commute to work. I'm like, I'm okay with that. I go to his room and I remember I was looking around thinking, wow, there's way more stuff here than I've ever seen of his. I mean, he had watches, ties, suits, like a lot of stuff in this room. It's really odd. Like, I don't even know where all of this stuff came from, right? Right, right. yeah, yeah. So he is supposed to come see me later that night. But I woke up, and something aside is like, you need to search. Again, that investigative instinct just went off. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was like, okay, I'll search. And so I'm going through everything, and I find this little duffel bag. And I open it up, and here's a receipt for a hotel. It's the hotel that he's staying in right now, where I'm at. Yes. But there's an address on it. His name with an address, and that address was the same zip code. So I was like, what is this? So I took a picture of the address. I go to work. I tell one of my coworkers, who I've kind of told her a few things about what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, I need you to map quest this. I'm going to get in my car later tonight. I'm going to call you. And I need you to map quest this address for me and tell me where I need to go. She was like, okay. So later that night, I'm in my car. And he's off at work or whatever. So he has no idea what I'm doing. And she gives me the address. I pull into a house about two miles from my job, and in the window is the fish tank. From before. Uh-huh. And oh, I said... Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. I said to my friend, I said... And this, this is, is a big one, lives. right? This is not some little... Yes. We're not talking about no, goldfish in bowl. This is like a serious... It's got lights. It's got gallons. It's... Tropical. Yeah, like it's, you see in a in a business, like those big ones right, you see. Right. This is a you serious uh, aquarium. Yes. And I pulled in and I said to my friend, this is where he lives. I said, I see the fish tank. She was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to the door. She was like, no, you can't. She was like, are you crazy? And I said, no. I said, but I am going to find out what's going on. And it probably wasn't necessarily the smartest idea. Might have been the last thing you ever did in your life very well could have been but that in that moment that like was not where my head was i was you like want answers yeah i was plowing straight through so i go to the door and i knock on the door and a woman answers the door and i said hi are you and i said his wife's name and she said yes And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm Jen. I've been dating your husband for three years, but I didn't know that you all were together. And she was like, I know who you are. I saw your picture. Oh. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm so so sorry. Yeah. I was like, I'm so sorry. And she was like, do you want to come in? And I said, sure. So I come in and we're still at the front door, the little entrance way. And she was like, um, I'm going to call Rob. Yes. And I said, 
okay. So she calls and she says to him, and she calls him by his full name. I call him by Rob. She calls him by Robert. So he answers the phone and she says, Robert, there's somebody here that wants to say hi to you. So I say, hi, it's Jen. And you hear click. Uh, of course. So we call him back. Phone's been turned off. And so we're both just there in shock, just standing there in shock, you know. And so she was like, do you want to come in? And I was like, sure. So I come in and we sit on the couch and we just start talking about all types of like recollections and everything. But I mean, she she, called his mom. But she's in shock. But then but she knew about you. She saw my picture. Somewhere, somehow. Yeah. She knew there was someone else, I would imagine. Yeah. She was like, I saw your picture. But she's in shock that all of a sudden here you are, the embodiment. I'm at the door. Yeah. And so she calls his mom. And, of course, she hangs up on her. And I notice there was pamphlets for apartments. And so he was getting ready to move her out. And move me in. To that place. To that physical structure. Yes. He had me looking for houses to buy him time. When I'm pretty sure he already had a house. He just had to figure out how to get her out and get me in. Unbelievable stuff. That's just crazy. I think we just sat there and just talked and talked and talked. The next day, we go to his job, and she's like, you know, I'm here to see my husband. The two, of you, like, well, the two of you went to his place of business? Y- yeah. Wow. That's and, dramatic. And, um, but he wasn't there. So I ended up in this very bizarre situation because in the process of I gave her pictures, emails, whatever she needed. Bring the house down on him, so to speak. To divorce him. Yes. So, Bill... In the process of helping her, she stole my credit card, maxed it out, and ended up going to jail because the business prosecuted. I dropped my charges of identity theft because I felt she had been a victim too. But that is how my story ended. It's a lot to swallow, but you say the business prosecuted. So was it your your uh, radio station credit card? Who nope. was the- I, it? Was my own personal. So she had bought. She went to different stores. She even bought me stuff and gave me stuff as gifts. Well, why not? You're paying for it. <laughs> yeah, and um. So so you. But business. she was on video. She was on video camera. At stores using your card. So like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the cops had me come in and ID her. And Whoa. I was like, yeah, that's her. Wow. And so I couldn't just cut off communications with her because then it would have been a red flag. So I still had to like communicate with her. Like everything was normal, even though I know she's about to be arrested for stealing. For ripping you off. Yeah. And in taking, buying stuff, shoe stores. I mean, everything. It was crazy. So we know that he is a character and he's a compromised individual and he's smart 
and he's crafty and he's doing all kinds of things. How much do you think she had a background like that too? Or do you think that she was so desperate in the waning days of her marriage that she thought, well, I'll take this woman's credit card and use it as my lifeboat to whatever I'm doing after Rob dumps me. What do you think she was all about? Because up until that time, she comes off as being another innocent victim like you. And then all of a sudden this happens. So that makes me wonder, what's her lineage? I think, honestly, I I haven't given a whole lot of thought to that. I think people in general know the difference between what's right and what's Mm -hmm. wrong. And what she did was wrong. Even if she hated me, it still was wrong Mm -hmm. to do that. I know from dating him, I mean, my mental health went down as it does when you're in emotionally and mentally, physically abusive relationships. And she had been in mental hospitals. Oh, she really had. And part of me, part of me wondered if he put her there, you know, if, if his, just how he treated me, I didn't end up in a hospital, but there were days it was just. You cry and you just, you know, they they manipulate you to where you just feel like you're nothing. So she had been in a mental hospital. And so part of me wonders how much he influenced and caused that to happen. I see. She crumbled under it. Yep. You say you dropped the charges, did you say? Was I that did. because you just thought I did. I feel for her, maybe? And it's yes. like, you know, she's almost yes. a different version of you in terms of what he did. Rob actually called me at work and he was like, listen, he was like, you cannot press charge. He was like, she's crazy. He was like, I'm telling you that her dad is crazy. He's calling me. He's going to come get me. And I just remember saying to him, not my problem. Click. It's not my problem now. Like, you brought this on. She brought this on. You know? And I just felt like, honestly, I know what it was like to be under his spell. Mm -hmm. Yes, you definitely were. They were married eight years. I was only with him three. I can't imagine what my life would have been like five more years Right, you would have been wreckage. Yes. Wow. So I just had to forgive her, drop the charges. And just ask that they all leave me alone. At that point, I'm like, I just want you all to leave me alone, you know? So that's what happened with that whole, am I lucky to be alive? Yeah. You know, he, he did have a key to my place. The last place I lived, he had a key. And I called my landlady and I said, listen, this is what's happened. Change the locks. Um, They changed the locks and we did find his key in the driveway. So he did come try to get in, but his key didn't oh, work. He just throw it. You think? Um, it didn't. Okay. Yeah, and I for a little while stayed with friends because they were like, "Listen, you know, he's crazy." Yeah, he could he, show up at any moment. Yeah, you need to be safe. So I stayed with them, but I, I am here today. I do believe that I am lucky. Yes, you are. Um, and blessed. Yes, you to are be here today. Absolutely are. Um, I don't take that for granted. Mm. Um, I'm glad that I finally have the strength to come forward and share that story. 2006, it ended. Yeah. it's uh, Wow, what an impact that had on you. 
And, you know, uh, a few months afterwards, I called him. I didn't anticipate he would answer, but I left him a message. I said, you know, I don't know why you did what you did. I don't know why you decided to do it to me. But I forgive you. Even if you don't care that I forgive you, it means something to me, and I forgive you. I don't see how you got to that place. That is a that is a bigger person than I would be. I have to be honest with you. I don't think I could pull that off. Good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, your medium or whatever. Mm-hmm. Spiritual healer. Yeah, that's how she defined herself. She's quite a lifesaver in this story. She that was amazing. I mean, you know, yeah. In your case, it was yeah. a life-saving blessing. So that's wonderful. Well, that is great. I, I love that part of it. She was dead on in. I think I was meant to hear that message because I think that God had been giving me messages all along, and I was missing them. Yes, it's entirely possible. Those last three years were not real. Okay, so. You're living in a, an illusion that someone has created for you. Yeah. So here you are now, years and years later, doing all kinds of amazing things, writing books and running your podcast, and you've really got your act together, and I'm glad I know you. You had said earlier that I was kind of an inspiration to you, but believe me, with podcast-type work, you're a huge inspiration to me. I mean, you really have been steps ahead of me and have given me good advice and I really appreciate it. So it's nice how we've helped each other out here and there. I appreciate you too. And you're right. The podcast community is so welcoming because we all believe that we have an important message and we all just want to get it out there, Yes. you know, and it's like, how can I help you do that? Honestly, once I started my podcast, then I realized why I have gone through everything I have gone through in my past because it brought me to where I am today. And that is to have my podcast to create that place for survivors to share their story. That's exactly it. I feel the same way. So Jen, I'd like to thank you so much for speaking with me today and for sharing your story. And I've been contacted many times by those who want to hear more and more survivor stories like yours and yours is, is, uh, it's, it's really hard to find an adjective. I mean, it's just, it's so amazing. It goes into places that I was kind of anticipating you might go and you didn't. It, you know, there's so many hard left turns. And then when I expected a left turn, you threw in a right. But, you know, I, I love the fact that people can listen to this and they can say, well, I didn't have that exact thing happen, but I have a friend who has gone through things like that and they need to get out of it somehow safely. They need to escape. They need to have a plan. They need to execute the plan. And it could be a friend of theirs, could be their daughter, could be a relative, could be a coworker. And I think that people love survivor journeys. They just do. So if, if it helps mm-hmm. people do this, then then that's a great thing for us to do together. And thank you for your courage and generosity in speaking with me. And it's a real honor for us you know, to have you come here and, and do it first. So I'm sure you'll get you'll get a lot of practice as you go along telling this over and over because it's just such a compelling story and it's kind of hard to see the sun coming out at some point, but it really does in the end. And it's 
you're just amazing. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. You're, uh, I'm so glad I know you and will know you for a long time, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. And I, I'm really glad that I know you as well. I appreciate you. I appreciate providing the space. I promise this interview to you, not just because you're my friend, but I, your space is safe oh, for me. That's nice. I, I trust Thank you. you. Yes. And that's really important. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so thank you. I'd like to thank my guests and my listening audience for their support. It is clear our listeners look for and play Survivor episodes above all others. They get caught up between the forces of good and evil, all the time pulling for the moment a victim becomes a survivor. I am open to other victims and survivors who want to join with me on the When Dating Hurts podcast. We can shine a bright light on the epidemic of dating and domestic violence. We can improve lives and save some innocent people from a lifetime of broken dreams. If you want to tell your victim or survivor's story, please contact me at BillMitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. That's BillMitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com.